The slight scent of weed. Chili. He thinks he's caught me off guard. I've caught him off guard. He rushes in from behind. Idiot. I give him a wake-up call. going to trap him and tag him in the face. And yet, in my heart of hearts, pretty sure it's not going to work. Hoagie's attempts to face me failed because he lacks confidence. Yes, this is the moment I've been waiting for. I'm going to be the one who tags Jerry. Callahan will become distracted by his own arrogant thoughts which I will exploit. This will be my victory, which makes sense because success breeds success and I'm... Oh. Feeling trapped, Jerry? No. Nice. Hey, I'm Haley, and I'm the pastoral intern here at Kairos, and I'm so excited to be here with you for the last week of our series, Asking for a Friend. And maybe in that video, that looked a lot like your group of friends. That's five guys that have been playing tag for 28 years. It's a movie based off of a true story. I mean, you'll notice that they trapped their friend Jerry at a very unlikely location, a church. Now, whether you've been trapped in church, maybe it's felt like that when you were a kid. I hope you don't feel that way now, um, but it's okay if you do. Church can be something that maybe you were raised that it was just expected of you, you had to go. And so that's the question that you asked and we're gonna process through tonight, which is, why should we go to church? Maybe it's something that your parents asked you to do uh, for many years and you just showed up. Maybe you played games or drew, um, but didn't really pay attention. And now you're at college and you're at this place in your life where now you have to decide, why should I go to church? Is that where God is? Tonight we're gonna explore these questions that you've been asking, um, but growing up, I definitely thought that's where God was. You went to church on Sundays and then you left God there. And when we came home, we didn't really talk about church much. Church was an activity for my family, and it wasn't an identity. You saw in that video uh, that Jerry felt trapped. There was mouse traps all around the church, so he couldn't get out uh, as his friends were playing this game of tag. And I doubt you've ever been trapped by mouse traps at the church, uh, but maybe it's something else. What gets you to come back to church, or maybe why do you shy away? But what is the church? We learn in Ephesians from our Bible reading, just a chapter ahead of it, uh, in chapter 1, we learn in verses 22 through 23. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things with himself everywhere. And so we are the church. You are. It's not why should I go to church, but why should I be the church? How can we be the church? We learn in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, that all of us together— our Christ's body, and every single one of us is a part of it. 
you are made full and complete by Christ as a part of the church. So does this mean that we can have our own church? I know sometimes we think that. I've had many friends, and I've even been caught saying, oh, outdoor, outdoors, that's where, that's where my church is. That's where I feel closest to God. Or my friend, Julia, who bakes, maybe the kitchen is her place where she gets to celebrate God, who, who she gets to um, give her gifts and praises to God through her gift of baking. But what if it's the gym? All these other places, those are individual ways to connect with God. But the church is different. The church is what we call an assembly. And I'm, I'm not talking about your assembly so that you had at high school where you went over um, a lot of different things, whether it was sports or teachers or rules. No, this is a better assembly than that, I promise. We learn in the Old Testament that God's people gathered, but they were always on the move, so they had an assembly in a tent, and that's where God was. It was called a tabernacle or a temple. And so God dwelt in this tent, and they moved from place to place, carrying God's presence with them. They worshiped the Lord in this tent. And we know today that church looks a lot different. Why is that? It's because Jesus Christ changed the narrative by becoming the temple. We no longer have this tent that sits around because Jesus Christ is it for us. When he came, when he died, when he rose, he took that power. We no longer had to carry this tent with us because God's power is within us. There's this day um, in our church history called the Day of Pentecost, which is the birthday of the church. It's when we first started meeting together in a building. But that's not the church. We're not going back to our old ways. We are part of Christ's temple. We learn from our Bible reading in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 through 22, that we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. There he ministers to us in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not human hands. We are not responsible now for the building because Christ is our temple. Christ is our place of worship and Christ dwells with us. We learn in Ephesians, just a verse ahead of that, that you are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So when we come to worship, we learned um, back in Jewish history that that's really what tied everyone together was the Israelite people. They were tied by bloodline. Christ rewrites this narrative and we come together as a family. We come together to meet, to worship, to be with one another, to pray. And when we all meet, that's church. For Christians today, a church is not a place or a building, even though I thought that for many years. Um, now it's something even better because God himself became a stranger here on earth so that he could become the temple. The living God is the temple in our hearts and in our lives and our communities, and God's alive and active. And we as communities who come together declare our loyalty to God. But when you come to church, do you just come to consume, to take in information, or do you come to congregate, to be a part of this family, to move forward with this family, to learn and to grow and to be together? There was a professor that I learned um, about in school. His name is Professor Donison. He's a professor of social administration 
Um, and he talked about his Navy days in this book that I had to read for one of my seminary classes. And it really stood out to me because of his stories from the Navy. He had spent days in a training camp where men were coming and going all the time. There was people coming in and out, and so to ensure that nothing of his got stolen, or it was, he had to hide it uh, so that no one would damage it, because there were so many people coming in and out. But once he transitioned those same men onto a Navy vessel, and they were in active service, those same men who tried to steal from him now were his companions, his crew members, who would without hesitation save his life when it called. Both the same groups of men were involved in the situation, but one was bound by a common purpose and the other was not. I don't know what it is, but there's something holy about being on the same ship, going the same direction. Uh, it's just a part of being the church rooted in Jesus Christ. It changes people, changes behavior, it changes our hearts. So not only do we get to be part of the church, as believers, we're now asked with this question, Jesus, why should I go? I know I'm a part of your church, but what does it mean to congregate? And honestly, we learn in Luke chapter 4, verses 16, that Jesus just expected it of us. When he came into the village of Nazareth, Jesus' boyhood home, he went to the usual synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up there to read scripture. Jesus, since he was a child, always went to the church and read aloud for people. Many people couldn't read during that time, and it was just expected. It was a part of their culture. And so that's why Jesus says, doesn't say directly, go to church. It's just something we all do as believers who are together in the body of Christ. But I often get asked, can I do that on my own? Is it designed to be a communal event? Yes, it is. Do you sprint out of church, or do you talk with friends? Do you sprint straight for the food and the donut holes at church? I know I did many times as a kid. Or do you stop and do you talk with people? And you learn about their stories and you encourage one another. That's what the early believers did because it was so important. We learn in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 42, what these early believers did when they were a part of the church. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized now, Peter is the rock that Christ built his church on. He was one of the disciples who was very important in establishing this church body. And so Peter's going around now baptizing people to join this body of Christ, to be in community with one another. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. Now, here at Kairos, we celebrate the Lord's Supper together not just as a sign that our sins are forgiven and the sacrifice Jesus has paid, but it's something we do together because it's the same salvation we share together as one body. And so these gatherings that we have here at Kairos, they're important. In Colossians, we learn about this. The message is about Christ and all its richness. We want to fill our lives. That's why we come to church to be the church so that we can teach and counsel one another and we can explore this wisdom that we're given. In Hebrews 10.25, we're issued a warning. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Coming together is so important. And I know with technology, and I know with distractions and cell phones and your busy schedules, church maybe sometimes isn't always a priority, especially with the pandemic. Maybe it's becoming a little bit too easy to not gather with people, and I want you to stay safe. But someday, we are going to be able to meet with one another. And that's what we're waiting for. And we're excited about it. And so we're going to talk about how do we prepare and how do we get our hearts set to come together. And how do we prioritize it? I often thought that, you know, one or two people, that they were together, Christ was there. Because that's what scripture says. I can meet with my friends anywhere, any place, any time, and I can call it church. Because Christ is with us. And that's true. But the verse that we're talking about is Matthew 18, 20. Yes, where two, three more come together in my name, I'll be there in the midst of them. I've heard this verse over and over again, but what this verse is actually talking about is instructions on how to reconcile a relationship within the church. If two people aren't getting along or there's a rift and are trying to work it out together, it was the Jewish law that if you can't work it out, bring two or three witnesses with you. And Jesus is promising to be present when we are engaging in forgiveness and reconciling with one another. We aren't left alone. Reconciliation is part of what the church is about. We are human. We're going to hurt one another. But how can we come back together and forgive? Another thing I always hear is, um, I just don't believe in organized religion. And I get it. You want to fight the man. You want to fight the institutions. But can you even imagine disorganized religion, what that would be like if we just said, who wants to lead? What time should we show up? No one really knows. Let's just flip open a a book in the Bible here and, and see what happens. Let's read it backwards, maybe just to mix it up. Christ is the place and we are the people. Yes, I'm saying churches need to be held accountable to malpractice. I don't think that but God has appointed the church for a purpose. Not just the institution, but the people to come together, for leaders to be appointed. We learn in 1 Corinthians 12:8 that God has appointed in the church apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, helping administration, speaking in tongues. These are all spiritual gifts in a church community. So we are we're already gathering But now it's how do we use our gifts according to the church's purpose designed by God. This isn't a community formed by man. We didn't just draft this up. No, Jesus formed a community of disciples and called them to lead the church. And at the heart of the church, it's remembering who Christ is. It's rehearsing his words and deeds, reading them aloud, and bringing new members to this truth an invitation to this new life again and again through sharing that the Christ, the risen Lord, took his body that was broken and his life, blood was poured out so that we could be here today worshiping God together. It's a privilege. We've been talking a lot about privilege and this is one of them, that we get to gather. The church isn't biblically based or Christ-centered or others-focused I would check it out. I would always double check. But it's the body who leads and the Christ is the head. And Christ is the compass by which we do everything here at the church. 
becomes a place where we can find that the gospel is freedom. You're not enslaved here. And I hope you never feel that way at Kairos. But maybe you felt that at some other church. I know, uh, I've heard this a lot, and I've even said these words. I've been hurt by the church. Why would I ever want to go back there? This statement is usually followed by true stories of real pain, real hurt, real sacrifice, because the church is made out of people. Christ knew what he was getting himself into. He came to save those imperfect people. This isn't just to minimize your pain or your experience. No, it's real and it happened. And I am so deeply sorry that you have been hurt by someone at a church. And I know it's hard to trust and to reconcile with that person. And maybe you're not ready and that's okay. But when you get there, I hope and I pray that you have the courage to forgive and to walk and to step foot in another church into a community that will be blessed to have you. I don't want you to miss out on not just showing up to church, but being the church for the world. And if it wasn't one of the hardest things to do, to forgive, I wouldn't be here. And I'm so thankful that I am, and I want it for you too. Now, Catholic and apostolic are two words in at least our Lutheran tradition, and if you grew up in a Catholic tradition, we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, what the Catholic part is, it's not the Roman Catholic Church, it's broader. So, so often we get stuck in these narrow-minded ideas of this denomination versus that denomination. But Catholicity and Catholic really means solidarity, being united with creation, with human beings. It's broad. It's union. It's the created under creation. And when we talk about apostolic, another fancy word, it really comes back to the apostles. It means you, the ones that are part of this church body, the ones that are called to be the church, go. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, that it means to be sent out. But so often, I know I, when I grew up, we left Jesus at the door because church is on Sundays. And that's not really the case and not what we're called to do. And it can honestly limit the life-giving experience we get to be a part of in this church. As disciples, they went out to the world together, and there was no heights nor depths that could separate them from the love that united them in Christ, and that empowered them to go out. It strengthened their bonds in the same way that we heard from that Navy story. We're in it together. Now, C.S. Lewis is one of my favorite authors, and I've quoted him quite a bit, uh, but he absolutely nails it when he talks about that this isn't just about a church but it's also about why we remain united as a church. The church exists primarily for two close reasons. It's to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. Now, what does that mean? It means being the presence of God in the world today. The kingdom of God isn't a place we go to later. We can experience it now with our relationship with God. Now, the church also exists for a third purpose, which is to encourage one another to build one another up in faith, to pray for one another, to learn from one another, and to set one another's examples to follow and challenge to take up, to urge, to perform. And T. Wright ends with this. It's all part of what we know loosely as fellowship. It can be easy to do church on our own, 
but just to take the information and use it for ourselves? That's not what this is about. Why should you go to church? It's not a self-help book, but sometimes we look at Christianity that way. Self-help books are actually a billion-dollar industry, and so I actually looked at the one place that I always look for for self-help, and that's WebMD. I am currently diagnosed by myself with like nine different conditions that I don't actually have because of WebMD, and if you're with me, thank you. But no, it's not healthy to try to figure things out on our own. We actually don't even know if this self-help works. Clearly, I'm not a doctor. And so when we look at self-help books, yeah, they're great. I, was, I took a ton of business classes. We had to read them all the time. But I wanted to know what evidence was there. And so I searched WebMD. And what came back was, when it comes to books that are self-help books, there's little evidence that this advice publications work for people. Yet there's positive testimonies, but there's nothing to really corroborate it. Now when we look at the psychological impact and the social impact and the cognitive impact of religion, of the Bible, on a human life, statistics soar. Religious group participation actually produced emotions that were positive. It helps recovery processes. And when you have faith, when you have that sense of meaning that helps an individual cope with extreme circumstances or even just day-to-day -day problems, there's actual data to show you that it's more than just a book. It's life-giving. So why do we go to church? To get the help that we need together. We're always better together. And so as much as every single one of us needs the church, please hear me when I say this. The church needs you. This body of believers that we've been talking about that is the church is missing out if you're not there. I want you here at Kairos. We need you, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, whatever you can bring. You have something that God has gifted you with that you can bless a friend, a group, and so that's why it's so important to not just show up, but to be the church. So we learn in Romans 12, verses 4 through 5, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. There are many parts of one body, and we all belong together. So why should I go to church? The reasons are endless. But why should we be the church? because you were created to be. Now, I'm gonna give you a couple examples of some awesome students. There's some pictures of them that are gonna be popping up. Now, the first person I wanna talk about is Ryan Heron. You actually saw him in the Bible reading. And what you may not know about Ryan is he's a fantastic leader and he's gifted. He's also extremely humble. And so he comes in to Kairos and he sets up and takes down your chair. So you've probably sat in one of the chairs that he puts up. And he does that out of love for you. There's also other people in our church who love to serve you. And that's with her voice. And Claire Tates is one of our vocalists who you've seen many, many times. She's been with us for a while and she's also a graphic designer. So for the past couple weeks, she's been designing things to share with you, uh, screensavers and different pictures to inspire you and encourage you. And you have something that you can offer. Maybe it's not to Kairos, but maybe it's another church organization. 
we want you to share and to think about the gifts that you have been given that you can bless others with. We want you to be welcome to this place where we're also blessed by you. And we hope that you get to come here and learn and grow and be a part of this church community. We also learn in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 18, what it means to be a part of this community. It means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. We get to do that by being the church. We get to do that by going to church and learning about God. We're better together. And we get to experience this new life in community with one another. And we are so blessed by so many of you. To our volunteers, thank you. For all our new volunteers, we're so excited about you. And so we learn in the last verse of our Bible reading, Ephesians 2.18. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because of what Christ has done for us. And that's the central of this teaching. The Holy Spirit brings us into this soul-satisfying connection with God, with creation, and with one another through the Holy Spirit. So without God's Spirit, there's nothing that we can do that's going to count for anything in God's kingdom. But with God's Spirit, the church can grow and share love and be good neighbors. We simply can't be the church without God. But why should I go to church if there's nothing I can get out of it. It's the same peace, hope, love every single week. If you don't leave this place changed by those words, I challenge you to see if Jesus Christ is knocking, you at, knocking at your door, waiting to know where you're missing out at. We want you to hear this truth because there's so much other stuff that's going on in the world that tells you otherwise. And to share that amongst each other and encourage one another outside this place when you're still the church. So why should I go to church? Reconciliation. So that's what's wrong could be made right. What's broken can be made healed. Our sins together collectively can be forgiven. And this old life that we experienced, individualized, alone, this new life begins together. We're no longer these individuals but we're gathered by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ under the gifts of grace that God has given us. And we find that in Jesus Christ, whom God sent, bringing life, bringing healing and forgiveness to this world. We don't go to church just to practice and keep everything here. We are the church because we are extensions of the kingdom of God here and now. And we do that not just by going to church, but by being the church. I'm excited to do that with you this week and many more weeks to come. Amen.